I'd like to uh, change things up a little bit and read from a psalm. Um, as we were singing those songs of worship, my mind went to high praise, like as in a God who's worthy of our greatest praise. Amen? Even when things are not going the way we would like for them to go in our lives, we serve a God who is mighty, powerful, and worthy of our praise. And so Psalm 100 says, shout with joy to the Lord. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and in his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. We serve a mighty, mighty God this morning. All God's people said amen. amen. So Matthew chapter 4, I, I want to just uh, share with you real quick. Uh, we lost one of our, and I say this from our perspective, we lost one of our church family members uh, yesterday. Susie Duck went to be with the Lord, but from our understanding of the, the truth of the scriptures from God's perspective, heaven gained a saint. It says, precious in his side is the death of his saints. And so um, I just want you to know that, you know, visiting with a family yesterday and Mike being here this morning, what an inspiration and encouragement you were to me and Rachel yesterday, um, just to see the smile and the joy on his face, to say, this is what we believe. We believe that she's at home with Jesus right now and to say it's the most precious thing that he experienced. And, and I just thought, wow, what a, what a great encouragement um, that should be to all of us. Amen. We say we believe, right? We, we, we say that in, this, in those moments when it's tested that that, um, you know, it's when we kind of walk it out and we're like, man, I just, I know what I believe. And to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And how could anyone be sad about that? I don't know about you, but I, I get jealous of that sometimes. I'm ready to go see him myself. I'd be okay if he did it right now before I had to preach a sermon, but that's another story. But glad you're here. Be praying for the Duck family uh, this week as they plan um, a celebration service for Susie. Um, so Matthew chapter 4, I'll say this, that I want to share with you kind of my heart this morning. I don't have a polished sermon, but something that David shared last week, um, and then Wednesday we went to a pastor's luncheon, and it came up again, and God kind of used that as like a little, just a, a prick in my heart. It's like, hey, I want you to touch on that. I mean, so what David spoke about last week was Jesus being the absolute center of the hub, not just a priority, but he is the priority. He's the center of everything uh, that we are, right? And, and out of that, you know, we, we are to go out and we are to be on mission for Jesus and to go out and make disciples, um, to replicate what he's done with the disciples and through us. We all have placed our faith in the gospel and hopefully we're all disciples in the room this morning. Um, and, and so he spoke on that and then this Wednesday we were at a a pastor's conference as I, I shared or a luncheon and it came up again and I, I just got to thinking about discipleship and what is it. So we're called to make disciples. In Matthew 28, let me just read that one before we jump into Matthew chapter 4. We're going to kind of go to the back of the chapter and the first of the chapter. So here's Jesus' last words to his disciples before he ascends into heaven. He says, I have been given all authority in heaven on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so we understand the great commission, the, the mission that Jesus gave to his disciples and it has been carrying on for 2,000 plus years is this idea that the church goes out and makes disciples. Well, let me give you a few statistics before we go much further. So uh, many of you may not know, but there's about 8 billion people on this dirt ball that we call Earth. 
the world population about 8 billion people. And of that 8 billion people, there's 2.5 billion Christians that are they claim to be Christians. 2.5 out of 8 billion. That's like 31% of the world population identify as Christ followers. What about in the United States? In our particular area, there's 332 million people as of 2021. 332 million people. And out of that, 210 million claim to be Christians. That's 63%. That's not bad, is it? That's pretty cool. 63% of the United States of America would identify as a, as a Christian. But I did a little bit more research, and I went back to 1990 and noticed that that number was 85% back in ninety. So out of the world population or the United States population, 85% would say, hey, I identify as a Christian. Um, and then just as early as 2020, I believe it was, um, no, in 2015, actually, uh, it, it dropped to 75%. So it goes from 85% to 75%, um, and in 2021, we're at 63%. So it begs the question, how are we doing? Whew. We're going the wrong way, aren't we? So when you consider, like, what is a disciple, and he says to go make disciples, and yet we look at what's going on around us, and I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to look at the world that we're living in and see that it seems to be a little bit more evil than it's been in the past. There are things today that we experience, we watch, and we're just like covering our mouths at that 20 years ago wouldn't even be thought of. And so this is the world that we're living in, and, and Jesus, that commission to go make disciples is still there, and, and we're told that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church, and so we know we're on the winning team, so it just brings up this idea, it's like, what is a disciple really? And it may seem like a, just an intermediate or a beginner type of, of a lesson or a message today, but I thought, you know what, it might not hurt for us to go back and look at this idea of Christian and disciple and what is a true disciple? And so the title of the message, Disciple, Be One, Make One. And so as a Christian, and, and many people would say they identify as a Christian based on an event or an activity. They say, hey, I, I pray, therefore I'm a Christian. I was born into a Christian home, therefore I am a, a Christian. Or I was baptized, so I'm a, a Christian. Or I go to church, therefore I'm a Christian. And so you might look at the word disciple and think it's like a different level of Christianity, right? There's the entry level, place your faith in Jesus, you're a Christian, and the disciple, you know, area or categories for those that are super spiritual, right? It's just another level of Christendom. Like you got the Christians and you got the disciples. But it's interesting if you look at the Bible, Jesus never mentions one time the word Christian in all the Gospels. The book of Acts, you don't see the word Christian from Jesus' mouth. It's only mentioned three times entirely in the New Testament. And the first time was in Antioch. It says the believers for the first time were called Christians at Antioch. Now, the term Christian simply in that moment, in that time, meant that they were people who followed Jesus. And they had identified them as people who were followers of Jesus. And so it was kind of a derogatory term when they were called Christians. They were first called Christians at Antioch. But they were called that because they were believed to be followers of Jesus. And so here's what you and I need to know. True discipleship, true Christianity is being a disciple of Jesus. There are no levels. What Jesus had in mind when he invited those to come to him was not just a surface Christianity under this one huge umbrella, uh, but it was a call to follow after him. And so the word disciple in the passages uh, in the scriptures um, in the New Living Translation, over 300 times we see this word disciple, where Jesus talks about it. And we see the beginning of this, a very simple passage, chapter 4 
of Matthew. In verse 18, Jesus is walking down the shore of the Sea of Galilee, where he would do a lot of his ministry, by the way. And he runs into these Galileans who are fishermen. That's what they do for a living. That's what they've done for a living for so long. And Jesus just shows up one day, and it says he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. That was their vocation. Jesus called out to them, and we'll focus on this one thing. Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. That, that right there is kind of amazing to me in the first place that Jesus shows up and says, Hey, come follow me. I'm going to show you how to fish for me. And they're like, That sounds cool. They dropped their nets and they started following after Jesus. A little further up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, also fishermen. And they were repairing their nets, and he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. There were four disciples in this little text here, one invitation, and all of them yeses. And this began what would be three and a half years of ministry of Jesus with his closest followers, his disciples, and it began with an invitation, right? So just to kind of give you a working definition, here's what I believe. A, a disciple is someone who responds in faith to Jesus. Amen? You respond in faith to Jesus, completely obedient to Jesus' words, and they dedicate their life to learn to be like Jesus. There, there are not two standards. Jesus only had one standard um, in mind, and it was come follow after him. And so I'd like to just kind of camp on that thought for a moment in chapter 4 as we look at a simple invitation of Jesus and what is a, 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 the characteristics, what are the characteristics of a true disciple. And I don't know where you're at today. I mean, I know some of you, but please hear this from the heart of a pastor. You know, the Bible says that um, we're not guaranteed tomorrow, right? Life is a vapor. We're here one moment, gone the next. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to go through my life just playing a game. I don't want to go through my, my life just kind of skirting the surface of it. You know, I got a little bit of my religion over here, but you know, I got my compartmentalized life. And when I'm at work, it's different. Well, in my case, that would be bad because I'm a pastor. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, I got my Jesus time, I got my friend time, I got my work time, my activities. You know, just this idea that this is supposed to, as David said last week, it's the center of our life. It's all about Jesus. Amen? Are you with me? Okay. Are we ready to go home yet? Okay, good. So, what are the characteristics? Look at this, this um, invitation. The first word is come. Follow me. A simple invitation to follow um, Jesus, and we know that from the text and the, the, the text following that, that many of the disciples heard that invitation and they simply followed Jesus. And so what did that look like for them? I mean, they spent time with Jesus. Everywhere Jesus went, they went. If Jesus stopped to eat, they ate with Jesus. If Jesus did ministry, they were right beside him witnessing Jesus doing the ministry. When Jesus got tired and he laid down his head, yes, he was fully human, fully God, but he got tired, and when he laid down to, to rest, they were with him and they rested with Jesus. These guys spent their three and a half years of their lives following after Jesus, and so uh, they were committed to following him. And we got a problem today because we don't have a physical Jesus to follow around. Could you imagine? Jesus comes up today and says, hey, Shane, I want you to drop what you're doing. I want you to follow me. But, but I got bills to pay, Jesus. I got a family to feed. I got a church to prepare, you know, Sunday for. But what if he showed up today, right? That's what it was for them. And it was like life-altering, life-changing decisions for them to follow Jesus. How do we follow Jesus today? Well, first thing you need to know is you need to know Jesus. Amen? You got to know him if you're going to follow him. 
And how do we know him? We know him when we pray, right? Do you realize how powerful prayer is? This, this connection between the God that created it all and us? There's power in prayer. It's conversation between God, the Father, and us. And it's like that's how we get to know him better is through prayer. We get to know him through his word. His word is truth. In it, he reveals his character, his nature, his desire, his will for us. And so the more we read it, the more we're like, hey, I think I understand how God operates or what God wants from me is to get to know him. To follow him is to know him. Amen? It's to know him through that and through fellowship. You know, you get around other people that know Jesus and they've been walking with Jesus for some time and, and you're learning from them. It's like helps you to grow in your knowledge of who Jesus is. And so a characteristic of a disciple is to follow after Jesus. He says, come, follow me. And that invitation, by the way, still stands to you and me today. Amen? Come, follow me. So knowing Jesus... Knowing him and getting to know him more, Peter and his disciples got to know him well. I mean, we, we hear of Peter's mother being sick, and Jesus heals her, that he borrows Peter's boat at one point. I mean, they knew each other pretty well, and we have the opportunity to know him um, as well through the Bible, through prayer, through fellowship. I would say another thing for us is we need to trust Jesus. I know that the disciples must have trusted Jesus to be able to walk away from a vocation, to, to walk away from everything and to say, Something about Jesus and that invitation makes me want to explore this a little further and to follow after him. He says, come, follow me. And, and there took a, a level of trust on their part, didn't it? To say, I mean, I'm going to take a, a step of faith here and I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus. That's to trust him. When Peter would step out of the boat later, how many you know that took a little bit of a trust? He says, hey, if it's really you, Jesus, command me to get on the water and I'll do it. And Jesus says, come on. And Peter steps across the boat, walks on the water. They trusted him. We trust him as well. We should trust him. How do we trust him? We trust him when we get to know him. When we've seen him work in our lives. We've seen him faithful in our lives in the past. We're like, man, he's always been there with me through it all. And so I have no reason to not trust him today. So I trust him. There's no roadmap. There's no roadmap for us today except the word. And I think that the word is the most important thing that we can adhere to. Um, in fact, I've said before many times, I think every answer that we need in this life can be found within the pages of the word of God. And so the more we learn, the more we understand him, the more we know him, the more we grow in our trust um, in him. And lastly, I would say in following Jesus, um, one of the things that I think a lot of people hang up on is this idea that we are to submit to Jesus. Does anybody have a hard time with submission? Any rebels in the room? Let me ask your parents, right? I think all of us have a little bit of that rebellion in us. Like, we don't want to submit to anyone or anything, but this idea of following Jesus, we can't just follow Jesus as a friend without submitting to him as Lord. And to follow Jesus is to submit to him. And he says, hey, listen, I, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? If you're going to follow me, you need to submit to me. Jesus didn't invite them to just hang out. Hey, guys, it'd be cool if we could just hang out a little bit. I'd like to get to know y'all better. Hey, drop your nets. Come hang out for a little while. No, he calls them to a life of discipleship and following him and trusting him and submitting to his authority, submitting to his leadership. When he said, hey, let's do this, they're like, yes, Lord, and they did that. They submitted to him, and that's what following Jesus looks like. Amen? It's to know him. It's to trust him. It's to submit to him. Not my will, Lord, but your will be done. We live in a culture today 
where I don't even like the term Christian anymore. Like somebody says, are you a Christian? I'm like, let me take it a step further than that. Because Christian is like this huge blanket that can encompass anybody. Hey, I'm not an atheist, therefore I must be a Christian, right? Or I grew up in a Christian home, therefore I am a Christian. And you, what happens is under that umbrella you get so many different thought systems going, right? And you can talk to another person that says, hey, I'm a Christian. And you can see a lifestyle or, or things that are coming out of them. And you're like going, Do we, are we talking about the same Christianity? And it's such a broad thing. I don't even want to be known as a Christian. I like follower of Jesus better. Because as we understand what it means to follow Jesus, it's not just saying, hey, I'm a, a Christian. I'm identifying with all these other people who claim to be Christians. I want to follow Jesus. Because Jesus demonstrated that he was fully God and fully man. Read the Gospel of John. Amen? Jesus demonstrated that he could do everything that he said he would do. Jesus demonstrated that he is worthy of us following after him. And so you know what I want to do? I want to follow Jesus. And to follow Jesus means that I want to submit to Jesus as well. Jesus as Lord. I said it a moment ago, you cannot follow Jesus as a friend without also submitting to him as Lord. And this is where a lot of people struggle in their discipleship. It's where people say, man, I, I just want to be in control, Jesus. And he says, hey, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I mean, you're all in. Count the cost, right? If you want to follow after me, he said to the crowds, if anyone wants to follow me, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily. Say daily. It wasn't just one time 30 years ago, 20 years ago. Take up cross daily and follow me. Jesus' invitation for us to follow him still stands so we follow him, we know him, we trust him, we submit to him as Lord. Uh, a second characteristic um, that we look in this verse, he says, Come follow me and I will show you or I will make you, some translations say, I will turn you into, how I many you know that's transformation? Um, follow me and I will show you or I will uh, translate you or transfer you, whatever, transform you um, into something, into fishers of men. And so to be transformed by Jesus is to be like Jesus. Do you know God's will is for every one of us to be like Jesus, his son? Jesus was a perfect example for us to model our lives after. And so God's desire is that we all, we don't just know Jesus, but this thing called sanctification as we walk it out, that we become more and more like Jesus every day, right? And your wives are like, I know my husband and he ain't no Jesus. Well, God's still working on him, but that's the goal. That's God's goal. He wants us to be like his son. So, couple verses here it says students are no greater than their teachers but the student who is fully trained fully trained will become like the teacher the idea is to become like the teacher to become like Jesus for God called you to be to do good even if it means suffering just as Christ suffered for you he is your example and you must follow in his steps John 15 8 says by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my Disciples, And so the transformation of the disciple, the follower of Christ, is the proof that we truly belong to him. You see how it's kind of narrowing it down a little bit? What does Jesus say? Broad is the road or the gate that leads to destruction. There are many that find it, but narrow is the gate to eternal life, and very few find it. And he says, go through the narrow gate. Some people say Christianity is so, you know, narrow-minded, you know, and we're not saying that. Jesus said, I am the way. Not one of the ways. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, I want you to, to follow me. I've demonstrated that I've laid my life down to pay for your sins, and I'm able to take it up again, demonstrating that I'm fully God in the flesh. Amen? 
And he says, I want you to trust me. I want you to follow me. But I also want you to submit your lives to me. And that's not a negative because his ways are better than our ways. He's the only one I trust to submit my life to. Amen? I've been under several leaders over my life. And I, I, I look back and I don't want to submit to everything. But Jesus is the only one that's demonstrated that he's worthy of submitting to. And so he says, now I want you to be transformed. He didn't say, hey, come follow me and I will show you how to be good church people. Come follow me and I'll show you how to memorize scripture. Or come follow me and I'll show you, how, you know, how to do ministry outside of the four walls of the church. I mean, he says, come follow me and I will, I will change you. I will make you into fishers of men. You, you're going to be a disciple and I'm going to show you how to make disciples. And so the idea is if we're supposed to make disciples, what does that end result look like? How do we know when it's been done? I think we need to understand what a true disciple is. A disciple is one who follows Jesus. I'm following Jesus, amen? I'm following Jesus, transformed by Jesus. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, Paul says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The more time you spend with Jesus, the more he's going to change you if you're truly following after him. And so we are transformed by Jesus. Another characteristic of being a disciple is we are committed to the mission of Jesus. Now just think about this for a moment. Ephesians says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. There was no hope. We were outsiders looking in, right? And then through the gospel, Jesus included us. We're no longer outsiders, but we're now insiders. The sins that were stacked up against us were taken care of by Jesus' death on the cross. That's good news, right? He demonstrated his power over the grave by coming out of uh, the grave. And he says, hey, listen, I want you to trust in me. And whoever believes in me will not perish but have everlasting life. But I want you to begin a journey of following after me. Come, be my disciples. Follow me. And imagine if you really realize just how bad it was before Christ and what we deserve. Have you ever just considered that for a moment? What do we deserve? I'm a pretty good guy. I don't think I deserve as bad as maybe some of you in the room. Only kidding. We're all on the same playing field. We're all on the same level. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It also says the wages of sin is death. You know what we deserve? Death. Eternal death. Separation from God. But the good news is he made a way for us to be forgiven and to put back into a right relationship through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's good news. Now, if you knew someone that was not a follower of Christ, or you knew someone that didn't know that good news, didn't it just stand to reason that you'd want them to experience the same joy, the same hope, and you know what I mean, that you have? It's like, man, I don't have it all figured out, but I want to show you someone who's, who saved me from my past life and who's given me hope for today, right? Who's changed me from the inside. I mean, I want to, I want to take you to Jesus. I want to show you who this same Jesus is that changed my life because it can change your life as well. And that invest, the invitation still stands. And so he wants us to be committed to the mission of Jesus. That's why he says in Matthew 28, hey, all authority now in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, here I want you to go and you make disciples. What is a disciple? A disciple is a follower of Jesus. A disciple is transformed by Jesus. That means you've got to stay connected, right? Transformed by Jesus, and they are on mission for Jesus. They submit to um, Jesus. They're committed to what he wants them to do. And if he says, go make disciples, then we go make not Christians, but disciples, followers of Jesus. You know, I, I'm always grateful when somebody places their faith in Christ, um, pray the sinner's prayer, or they're baptized, and, and I love all of that, but I, I know 
that there's a big hurdle sometime between some of those steps. And I'm, please understand, I'm not saying anything about works because I believe it is by grace that we're saved, not by works. But I think when we genuinely place our faith in Jesus and we genuinely understand what it means to come after him, we understand this idea of taking up our cross. It's not about me, it's about him. And when I was baptized, the old Shane was baptized in death with Christ. And when I came out of the water, the new Shane was here. Like him or not, here I am, right? And the good news is I got this brand new life that I walk, and he's continually maturing me and growing me in my faith. And that's the walk of a disciple is that we continue to grow more and more in the image and the likeness of Christ. But included in that is we all have family. We all have people we work with. We all have people we hang out with in our social circles. We all have people, um, and God says, hey, I love them just as much as I love you. And if you're grateful for what has happened to you because of the gospel, don't hoard that. Don't, don't keep it a secret. That is too good of news to keep under a bushel, right? He says, here's what you need to do. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We are to be his witnesses. Someone has said we share the gospel and sometimes, if necessary, we use words. So how many know that it's important how we live our lives? Not that we're earning salvation, but that he's transforming us and he uses us today to make an impact on the people around us. And so when you experience the hardships in life, when you walk with a family who's lost a loved one and you look at them, how can you be so joyful in a time like this? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you about my faith. Amen? How can you do it? It's a testimony. And so we're to make disciples. And I believe sometimes it's just living your life as though you truly belong to him. You adhere to his truth, not the world's truth or the culture of the day that says, hey, a Christian can do anything. Anything goes. That's not what my Bible says. Amen? Are you following a different Jesus? No, I follow Jesus and I follow his words and I want to live. What would happen if we truly grabbed a hold of that and said, hey, I want to. I want to make sure I'm not just getting kind of confused with the whole Christian title. I want to know, am I a follower of Jesus? What would happen if we all committed to following Jesus wholeheartedly and took a step and said, hey, I want you to change, radically change my life. And I want you to mature me to the point where I'm not able to say, God, you know, I've tried this my whole life on my own, and I've always messed it up, and so I'm ready to submit to you as Lord. You're in control from here forward. What would happen if we truly embrace that in our lives? What kind of a change would we have in our nation today? I think that those statistics would look a little different, don't you? I think that the culture around us might look a little different. I know what Scripture says. It's going to get worse before Christ returns. I get all that, but I just have a feeling that there would be a little bit of a difference today in our culture. I was listening to someone the other day. They said, what is the reason why there's so much just evil in the world today? And it's a lack of fear of God. There's a generation today that just doesn't fear a holy and a righteous God. Back in my day, holding hands with a little girl in the back of the church, I was scared that God was going to strike me down for something like that, right? I mean, just different from when we grew up to now. And we see that around society. And so the question begs is like, what is a disciple? What is a true disciple? I want you to think of it like this. Think of an apprentice, uh, my son and I, Kyle and Luke, had the opportunity to go fishing on the Gulf. First time ever for me, um, a couple, last week, a little over. And um, it brought back memories. As we're casting the line, my grandpa was the one that taught me how to fish. Uh, Wes White, man, in Oklahoma, he said, hey, I want to take you fishing. I was a little boy, and I remember taking me to the lake, Quartz Mountain, and he brought out this bucket of minnows, and he had this little styrofoam cup of nasty worms. 
And this little boy, you're like, what are we going to do? We're going to bait this hook, we're going to throw it out, and we're going to catch some fish. How do you do that? And so Grandpa just begins to explain why you got to hook the minnow this way, why you, you thread the, the worm on this way. And then to take it further, I mean, I could cite that back to him and say, Grandpa, you said that you got to do it this way and do it that way. I got it. Get it? No, no, no. Apprentice is someone who says, I want to learn it, but I want to also put it into practice so that I can emulate what you're doing. I can replicate it again. And so he hands me the hook. And he says, thread the, the worm on there. Sorry, worm. That was really weird as a young boy. And then show you how to put the little, you know, uh, lead anchor on there and then the little bobber and just cast that line, Zebco 33, you know, can't mess that one up. Put it out there and wait. And if you've got ADHD, that's really hard to do, to wait on a bobber. I've since then become a crank lure guy. I like those better. But I just thought of my grandpa and how he took the time to mentor me. It's like an apprenticeship, right? An apprenticeship has a master and a student. Disciple means student. It's someone who sits under someone else to learn a vocation. Maybe you're an electrician. You're like, hey, I'm going to bring somebody under me, and they're going to be an apprentice, and they're going to walk with me. They're going to learn everything. I'm going to show them. They're going to put hands on it. But the idea is that when the master steps out of the way, the apprentice can then take off and do exactly what he was taught to do. Does that make sense? That's discipleship. In a nutshell, Old Testament, or I guess New Testament, early church discipleship was much like an apprenticeship. And so what would happen is Jesus, as the master, would say, come follow me. And they would begin to do life with Jesus. They would follow him, and he'd say, what you see me do, you do. What you see me practice, you practice. And so they would spend so much time with him that it became second nature. And so that when Jesus went into heaven, he says, hey, wait a minute, you're going to need a little extra help. So I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. When he comes, you'll be my witnesses. And don't we know that they did it great? Just read the book of Acts. They blew up the world that they lived in for Christ. It's because they became a disciple in order to make a disciple. They understood. It wasn't just knowledge. There are people who can quote scripture. There are people who can tell you all the things that you hear in church day to day to day. But are we taking what we learn and we're putting it into practice? That is a mark of true discipleship. So here's a question. Are you a disciple? I'm not asking if you're a Christian. As I said, a lot of the people in this world would profess to be a Christian, but are you a disciple? Are you a follower of Jesus Christ or are you following religion? Are you just following an expectation? Well, there's this expectation that I go to church on Sunday, somebody's going to call or my parents are going to rag me out if I don't go, and so I'm following this just expectation or I'm following a a religion or I'm following a a particular person. No, no, no. I want you to follow Jesus. If you, you know, I, I would hate to think that I wasted your time as a pastor of this church, and you came here and heard us open the word on multiple occasions and miss it. I want you to know that Jesus' invitation is for you to follow him. Amen? Are you following his lead? The invitation, he says, for whosoever. Whosoever is a beautiful word because it means all of us. The invitation still stands. Are you a disciple? Are you seeing transformation in your life? Some of you can look back and say, man, I, just, I know I'm not the guy that I used to be, and I know that God's working on me, and I thank him for that. And I would say that's the great litmus test for me is like, am I loving people more? Because that's what Jesus said was the most important. Am I loving God more? Because, again, that's what he said was most important. And so that's the fruit. That's the proof um, of our being belonging to him that we're being transformed into him. Galatians says that the fruit of the Spirit. You know what? Think about this for a minute. I read this the other day. Somebody posted on Facebook, and I thought, man, that's really cool. One day we get to heaven and we're going to ask Moses, what was it like to part the Red Sea? And we might say to David, what was it like to slay Goliath? And they might look at us and say, what was it like to have the Holy Spirit living in you? 
Do you realize that once you place your faith in the gospel, he says the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life, in your heart? That's powerful, right? And one day, all these people that we read about, they're like, man, we, we never experienced that. What was that like? It's life transforming. It is changing, Amen. So are you a disciple? Are you seeing transformation in your life? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, hope, right? patience, all those things, right? He says that he'll develop in our lives as we're transformed. Here's another one. Do you desire to see others know and experience Jesus the way you know and experience Jesus? Do you have a burden for your family members? Do you, do you have a burden for your neighbors, your community, those that work with you, a school? Or you just simply write them off like, hey, I'm good. As long as I'm good and my family's good, all is okay. That's not the heart. Of the master, the master says, hey, be a disciple, you'll make disciples. Amen? So do we have a a desire to see others know and experience Jesus? So here I want to challenge you this this one more. Just let this one invitation of Jesus go over and over in your, your head this week as you consider this. His first disciples, he simply started with the invitation, come, follow me, and I will make you, I will transform you into fish for people or how to fish for people. I'm going to show you how to make disciples, to replicate what I've done with you to them others. And so I want you to just think of this. What does this look like to you personally? What does it look like to me personally? What does it look like to us as a church? Come follow me. The invitation, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And what would it look like if we truly grabbed a hold of that? What would it look like if the world around us truly understood what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I have a feeling our schools will be a little better. No offense to our school people, because I think they're doing the greatest thing you can do and they're doing the best they can, but we live in a world that's just jacked up right now. But if we truly embrace the word of God, the truth, and we trusted him, and we stepped out and we were the light, like he says to be the light, I think it's going to make a difference. What about our community? What would it look like if we truly embraced what it meant to be a disciple? Hey, I'm a disciple, and I'm on mission for Jesus, and that means how I live my life matters. The things that I say matters. Now, listen, we're going to mess up. I do it all the time. But there's grace and there's mercy, and we're able to get up, dust ourselves off, and keep on walking for his glory. What is a, a disciple? I believe a disciple of Jesus is one who follows Jesus, is transformed by Jesus and is committed to the mission of Jesus. That's what was on my heart this week, to just go beyond the, the, hey, you're supposed to go make disciples, but if we're going to make disciples, what does it look like when we've accomplished that goal, when we've made a disciple? Have we just got somebody else in the church? Have we just taught somebody else how to read a Bible? Or have we introduced them to the one that can radically change their life for all of eternity? He's calling us to be disciples I hope that everyone in this room has said, Shane, I know, I got you. Apprenticeship, I get it. I've placed my faith in Jesus, and I'm following him. And I see him transforming my life. I see the areas where he's just cleaning me up, right? And I do have this desire. I pray for those around me, those that, that are in the work that I don't believe are believers as well. And, and I pray for them that they would also know this same Jesus. That would be my hope for everyone in this room. Amen? So however it speaks to you, I pray that you respond to him. If you're here today and you're not... Place your faith in Christ. Please hear his invitation to you. Come, follow me, right? Come, follow me. And the rest of it's up to him. He'll show us. He'll change us. And he'll transform us into people who know how to make other disciples. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you challenge us in your word.
And the church needs to be challenged. Lord, the, the world we live in today needs to be challenged. There's a many, uh, many people who would say, hey, I'm a Christian, as though we would say it just to get somebody off of our back. But Lord, when we just split the hairs and when we just look in the mirror and we consider what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, I think that there's a lot of people who claim to be Christians that may not even be yours in the first place. And I pray, Lord, as we evaluate that, that we would make sure that we are in the faith, that we've placed our faith and trust in you. But we take it a step further and realize that to do that is to say, Lord, you're in control. You're a master. I am the student, and I want to learn from you. And, God, that you would just radically alter our lives, Lord, as a result of that, that they would place their faith in you. Lord, if there's anyone here that just feel like they've been in a slump and, Today's an opportunity for them to just, right where they're at, to say, God, I just want to recommit myself to following you. I want to rededicate my life to following after you. I want to pursue you. I want to get to know you more. Lord, I want to submit to your word. I want to trust you more. Father, I pray that today you would just help us all to take a step of faith towards that direction. We know that one day when this earth is, is done, when we're done with this life and we're standing in your presence, it will all be worth it. We won't worry about what people thought. We won't worry about the money. We won't worry about possessions. We won't worry about fame, fortune, or any of those things. But we have this inheritance in heaven that is kept for us until the day. One day we see you and hopefully hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Father, we ask that you be glorified in our lives, challenge us where we need challenged, and I ask it humbly in Jesus' name. Amen.